0: Welcome, everyone, to Speak Brave Podcast. This is your host, your loyal host, Mark Guy. Welcome. And I have a question for everyone. I know that a lot of you who are listening and follow this podcast are very interested to add additional service to your business. Whether you are a speaker, and now because of the health crisis, you are looking to add specialized training, whether online or in person where you can translate your expertise for training purposes or if you're a trainer and you like to transition and add professional speaking to your business portfolio as well and there is a big gap there's a huge huge misunderstanding and a big uh, chasm between training and speaking and if you don't do and if you don't understand the intricacies of what training is and how, how adults get information, uh, categorize information, and retain information, you will fail. You will fail in your audience, you will fail perhaps yourself, and worst of all, waste a lot of time. So if you ever wondered of what it takes to be a professional uh, who can train and create programs that actually get results for your clients, I have a special guest with me today. Uh, it's She's an expert Her name is Rachel Asignon, and she's an expert in creating and designing and delivering educational programs for adults and for professionals. Please welcome Rachel.
1: Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me on your podcast today.
0: Absolutely. So Rachel, let's get started right away. Why we as professional communicators should care about the difference between speaking and training.
1: Well, as you mentioned, Mark, a lot of people start as a speaker and a presenter, and then they want to offer a follow-up to their clients in the way of a workshop, for example. It's great for getting your name out and generating some more income because really, that's why we do this, right?
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say instructional design, but I want for you to explain what it is.
1: That's right. Mm
0: -hmm. That's
1: right. So I started my career as a high school teacher and taught for many years, and then I transitioned to corporate learning. So being able to work with adults in a capacity where we have to train them on something now so then they can go and do the job right away. So being able to look at what is the job and dialing it backwards to say, okay, well, how do I teach it then? So instructional design is really the, the art and the science combined of how do I actually develop a training program where adults can learn in the way that they prefer to learn and also that they can go out and perform the job that we're training them right away.
0: Mm. What are the, some of the biggest stumbling blocks you have seen for those people who are made, making that transition and failing at it?
1: That's a great question, thank you for this question. I think immediately to college professors. A lot of us had college professors who know their subject in and out, they have many years of research, but they don't know how to teach it. So you're sitting in a classroom, maybe enjoying the content, but how much of it are you actually retaining? Because they're not really meeting learners In an environment that's set to learn. They're positioning themselves more so as speaking at the group instead of teaching and training them up. So that's one of the things that I would say to professional speakers is that speaking and presenting has a goal, but training has a different goal. Speaking is more my goal being I want you to enjoy the content. I want you to take away some nugget of wisdom, maybe. If you're a presenter, it might be a business presentation, a proposal where we're going to sign a contract, or you're going to buy something. But training is the opposite. Training is, I want you to take away information that you can immediately apply to whatever your circumstances. And of course, your listeners have a wide variety of industries that they're in. So whatever their industry is, that's where we want to meet those learners so that they can apply this information right away. It's not just, I heard this information, it was interesting, I enjoyed myself, and now I move on with the rest of my life.
0: So I would, I would be interested to know what are some of the strategies you have used over the years that are tested, that are proven, that we can grasp our uh, mindset and start implementing?
1: One of the greatest things that we can implement into training, and presenters and speakers are great at this, storytelling. Research has shown us that our brains are very emotional and that we connect with things that touch us. So if it's an emotional story or it's a profound story, that's the thing that sticks with us. How many times have you watched a commercial and then you think about this commercial later because it had such a great story, but you have no idea what the product is that they were trying to sell? Happens all the time, right? Because they're great storytelling. And that's one of the things that we really have to think about in training. We have to tell great stories and not just any story, but it has to be a story that goes along with the content that we are trying to impart to those learners. Mm -hmm. If we give them a story that is unrelated, we're just chasing a rabbit down a hole eventually that has no point. And learners, especially adults, will pick up on that. We wanna make sure that everything that we're doing in a training environment, is centered on the focal point and we have to establish that up front, which leads me to another tip. Not just storytelling but my second tip is about having a learning objective and a performance outcome. Mm -hmm. So everything should be tied to the objectives and the outcomes. So if you have an activity or you have a story that you're going to tell and it doesn't have anything to do with the purpose for which we are here and what you want these learners to be able to go forth and do, then it needs to be scrapped. Maybe a great idea, maybe a great story, but it all has to come down to what are my objectives and really set two or three objectives for every course or workshop that you are preparing.
0: Uh, Give us an example, activity, objective, outcome.
1: There's so many, because this is what I do all day long as an instructional designer. So for example, I was working with a client that is a major retailer in the United States. And their business problem that they were trying to solve was turnover. They had people coming into the store who were managers or assistant managers of the store, but they weren't staying because the training wasn't, helping them, which is ultimately what we determined. So we looked at the problem, and we looked at what are the objectives, and what are we trying to help them do? One of the examples that we put together was the learning objective was for the store manager to be able to recognize when they are running behind and when they are ahead of schedule. So they have all of this product that's being delivered and it has to be shelved and stocked and all of those things. So one of the activities that we established was for them to look at an actual schedule that was set specifically for this program so that they could understand the delivery schedule. And if they didn't understand what the delivery schedule was because no one had told them what is being delivered when, then they wouldn't know how to schedule their employees to be able to anticipate that inventory. So one specific day is a large truckload that's coming in. And we found that some of the managers only had one other person scheduled that day, or they had just a small team of people scheduled that day. So they had to look at the schedule and figure out, okay, this is a large shipment that's coming in. So therefore looking ahead by a week or two, I'm gonna schedule my team so I have enough support so that we don't get behind and that we have the level of support that matches the amount of delivery that's coming.
0: This, this type of work is very creative, right? It's creative. It's research driven. And I want to ask you, do you have any, do you teach soft skills as well? Or is it just mainly technical skills or?
1: It's all skills actually, because we found that if you focus just on hard skills or technical skills and you don't balance that with soft skills, that you're going to have someone who is very eager to take on the technical aspect, but then doesn't really know how to talk with people and doesn't have that emotional intelligence to deal with people. So it's really important that you deal with both the soft skills and the technical skills together and integrate them. And that is something that is also part of that, that storytelling vibe, because our brains connect with a story. And sometimes the story is as simple as what is the cause of this thing? And then if I behave that way, what will the result be? But if I choose this other behavior, what would that result be? And then comparing it and then understanding how is it that my behavior affects other people. And really that's what it comes down to with training is behaviors, whether it's behaviors behind a keyboard or behaviors behind a cash register or behaviors on the sales floor or wherever it is. It really comes down to behavior. Most of the training research that we rely on is largely psychology.
0: What is the most challenging training you ever designed and that really pushed you to the limit and what did you learn from it?
1: The most challenging for me was working in a call center environment where the employees had to know so much information and they always needed to know which button to push and which lever to pull and deploy all of this information. And it was a challenge because they were dealing in a medical environment and they most of them were not medical people so being able to talk with the people on the other end of the phone in technical terms that they didn't understand themselves was very difficult so i looked at the training program as it currently was and there were some very good things about it and they had all of the topics in isolated chunks So they would teach this topic and then they would go on to the next topic and then they would go on to the next topic. There was no connectivity between the topics. So it was very difficult until you were actually on the phone for many months or a year even to even understand the cause and effect relationship. So what I did with that program is I turned it into a timeline so that the people that we were training could understand what is the starting point of this. And by the time it gets to me, what has already taken place, this is medical bills actually was the the content. So looking at the patient goes to the doctor's office and then the, the doctor has a chart and then that chart gets translated into a bill and then the bill gets processed by processors, and then it comes over to the insurance people, and then they process it as well. So there's all of these things that have already been reviewed and determined by the time it gets to the person that's on the phone that's receiving phone calls from the patient to help answer questions. So turning that into a timeline, what we saw was that the information retention had increased by about 85%. And the productivity had also increased by about 75% wow. just by putting it all onto a timeline for them to understand where do all of these things and when do all of these things take place.
0: So if, if I'm understanding this correctly, Rachel, it's the sequence in a way, a sequence how information is presented, right? If you, if it goes out of sequence, it creates confusion in the mind of the learner. Is that right?
1: Yes, it can. It really can. And one of the tips that I would also impart is to find the, the lowest common knowledge of the group. So if I'm training this medical bill group, for example, and I start right in with a bunch of technical terms and they don't come from a medical billing background, I haven't found the lowest common knowledge. I've just created more confusion from the beginning. So let me tell you a story. My husband is from another country, and English is not his first language. I was going to the grocery store one day, and on my way out the door, I said, hey, do you have any last minute additions to the grocery list? And he says, yes, I would like the crackers. So I said, great. What kind of crackers? And he says, the triangle ones. He said, the triangle ones. He says, yeah, you know, the triangle crackers. And I said, no, I, I, I don't know the triangle crackers. What are we talking about here? And he was like, you know, the, the ones that are dipped and they're triangle and they're orange. I don't know any crackers that are, triangle and orange. My neurons were firing, but nothing was connecting. So finally, after a very frustrating 10 minutes, I finally discovered he was talking about Doritos. Well, my brain files Doritos in the chip folder, not the cracker folder. So when we're looking for the lowest common knowledge, we have to make sure that we are talking about something very basic. So in the example of this medical bill group, my opening question in the training environment is, how many of you have ever gotten a bill that you didn't understand? All hands go up. Because this is something that we've all dealt with and it's a very common thing. So if I had said to them, On the other hand, how many of you have ever experienced a herniated disc and then you got billed for it? There might be a few hands go up, but that's not the lowest common knowledge. So if you start at the lowest, you have everybody at a captive audience right away. They're connecting with you right away. They're following you right away. And that's really what training is all about, that this person is Following and connecting from start to finish.
0: Start with the lowest common denominator. Determine what it is. Be disciplined. Be rigorous. And then build.
1: Absolutely. And I would suggest that for speaking and presenting as well. Because you want to grab the group's attention from the beginning. And training is the same thing. You want to grab their attention from the beginning. You don't want people to be lost from the beginning if you're speaking Or presenting or training
0: you design training programs work with the adult learning you're talking about uh, learning curve and forgetting curve and all those beautiful things in your experience who is doing this type of training right which companies or which examples or which industries that understand it and are creative and effective that you admire
1: I don't know if I can name specific companies because it really comes down to the individual. I have worked with some fantastic trainers and instructional designers and training managers. And one thing that they all have in common is passion for learning. It's really important that you understand how people learn, that you get some of that brain science so you know how people learn, you retain that information and how to follow up later. You mentioned the learning curve. Great trainers and great instructional designers and training managers, they understand that there is a learning curve for everything and we can look at a program that we're being hired to do the training for and we can determine by observation, interviews from new people, interviews with people who have gone through this training program, how steep is that learning curve? And understanding not just that learning curve, but also the science that's called the forgetting curve. And there's all kinds of statistics out there about how much you learn during a training event, whether it's a workshop, or it's an ongoing certification, or it's, Uh, several weeks of learning, and then after the event is over, what is the rate that you start forgetting things? So one of the projects that I am currently working on for a client is how do we support that? How do we make the learning continuous so it's not just a one-time event and you're expected to remember everything on the job, but then you also go forward and start connecting some of those pieces on your own because you're not going to learn it all in that training event but the forgetting curve cannot be forgotten and i would say great trainers do not forget about the forgetting curve
0: could you just tell us the statistics that comes to mind as far as the um, this how much is forgotten and what time frames
1: sure there's the uh, 70 20 10 rule Mm -hmm. the 70 percent is I learned 70% of the information during the learning event and then 20% after the learning event I remembered and then several weeks later or months later, I have only actually kept 10% of all of it.
0: Wow. Wow. This is, this is uh, sober in statistics and for people who are in this industry and also managers and leaders who are eager to equip their team members uh, to continue training and seek out exceptional experts like you to work with and help them.
1: There's so many statistics out there and they're constantly being studied and disputed. So I don't want to get in too deep with some of the statistics, but it is staggering how much people remember at the time of the training event So if it's a morning and afternoon workshop, I'll remember a good chunk of the morning stuff by the time we get to the afternoon Mm. workshop. Yeah. And then a couple days later, I'm still buzzing with excitement. I still remember a few things. And later on, I might have one major takeaway. And after that, maybe I have none. So a good trainer will make activities to a point where there's storytelling and that people are actually experiencing the content for themselves. There's a great book called Tellin' Ain't Trainin'. And it's true, you can tell somebody something, but only a certain percentage of what you were told you actually remember. And mm -hmm. parents can tell you about their kids, that I've told them this time and time again, and they don't seem to remember, right? It's the same thing in a training environment where we really have to set up our learners for their own learning lab, if you will, where we're telling them and then we're modeling how to do something. And then we have them try it and we're doing it along with them And then we give them the opportunity to spread their wings a little bit and do it on their own because sometimes you learn more from your failures Mm. than you do from your successes.
0: This is so good. And this resonates with me on a very deep level, Rachel, because I design training programs for my clients. I am a professional speaker, of course, writer and a trainer. And it is very meticulous to design training program that is cohesive. That is building compound skills that is comprehensive and also every chance it has to be experienced. And it's not just being told, uh, okay, this works. People may have, okay, just because you tell me it may or may not work good for you, but involve me, get me into the trenches Mm -hmm. that is safe, but also raising the stakes in the simulation or in the environment that you are put in your brain is forced to create solutions uh, right here. And then we monitor and then we measure it. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating world. I love to be part of this world. I'm, I'm approaching from a little bit different angle than you. Um, you know, I'm doing it in the business consulting world and for my leadership training. I love this. This is, Rachel, such a great nuggets of wisdom. You have talked about uh, storytelling, sequence, finding lowest common denominator and building from that. Uh, speaking to the adults in a way that makes sense for them so they can context the information. Um, about the Doritos and uh, Triangle uh, Crackers. I'll never forget that story. <laughs> that is great. And also about getting your clients and students and adult learners involved um, continuously and in thinking about learning objectives. A lot of great information, and I'll be putting this in the show notes as well so people can reference it, use it. Rachel, what is the best way that people can connect with you for uh, business opportunities, growing opportunities, and consulting uh, now and in the future?
1: I would say contact me through LinkedIn. You can uh, check out some of the projects that I've done, some of the infographics that I've designed for training and uh, learning environments as well. I'm always on LinkedIn. There's so many great articles and posts and things so that's the best way to contact me
0: great and i will make sure that i'll put a link to your linkedin profile on the show notes so people can connect with you very easily thank you Thank you, Rachel. What a great interview. I feel energized. I feel affirmed. I feel acknowledged for all the hard work we do that is sometimes uh, not always acknowledged or comes to surface, but uh, it's good to speak to an expert like yourself and learn and continue learning. Everyone, thank you so much for your time and your patience and your presence. I feel that those things are some of the most precious things we can share with another human being and uh, i don't take it lightly thank you everyone for tuning in and make sure you like subscribe and share to this podcast share it with everyone you care about and don't forget to speak brave and i'll see you next time